Aloha, and welcome to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe. Hope Chapel exists to grow ordinary people into faithful, productive followers of Jesus Christ, equipping them through Bible teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Today, Pastor Ralph continues with part two of his message entitled, Suiting Up for Life. We're in Ephesians chapter six. And now, let's join Pastor Ralph. The Bible says that the weapons of God are mighty and they're spiritual to the tearing down of Satan's strongholds. And so as we're looking at the armor of God and the weaponry of God and the the battle of faith that we're in, we need to understand that we can pray against the devil. We can speak against the devil. I think, you know, Martin Luther, do do you all know who Martin Luther is? Not Martin Luther King. Martin Luther that Martin Luther King was named after. You know, the Protestant Reformation, the church got all corrupt in the Middle Ages, and, and this guy didn't believe in this weird stuff that they were doing, and, and, they, and they were coming down on people with all this legalism, and I mean, it's the same stuff today. That song, Little Country Church, you know? People finally coming around, not talking about religion anymore. They just want to praise the Lord. And Martin Luther read the scripture, and it talks about us being justified by faith in Jesus Christ. We can be free. But Martin Luther suffered huge bouts of depression. One of the things about Luther that he wrote about is that he actually says he saw either in a vision or in real, who knows, the devil come at him. He goes, one time I threw an inkwell at the devil. <laughs> he talked back. He didn't take it and roll over and play dead. He, he, he made war against the devil. And, and the Bible says that we can tear down Satan's strongholds. I think on a second level where we need to think of Satan's strongholds is what we've been talking about and praying about starting with three years ago when we did 96744 United in Prayer is that Satan has a way of gaining power. It talks in, in here in the verses that we're not spending so much time on tonight about evil authorities in heavenly places. I think that Satan gains control over cities over towns, there becomes certain sin sets that belong to a city, certain ways of bondage that that one town will behave in different than another town, and that what we begin to do is gang up on them in prayer. And And we bit by bit by bit by bit pick apart and tear apart what he's doing in a city by praying that the Lord will do the opposite of it in the city. And this is why it's so important, this prayer movement that we've gotten going and and learning to pray together so we learn to pray with people outside of this place with each other, but also with people that that don't know the Lord yet. And, And we start to see Satan's stronghold melt away and the cover that he has and and defeat come his way. Well, let's go to the end of this and talk about armor that you wear. And there's three pieces of it. The Bible here mentions six pieces of armor. We're going to look at three of them. Verse 14 and 15. It says, stand your ground, putting on the sturdy belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared for every battle as it talks about the battle coming ahead. When it says, put on the sturdy belt of truth, if we were thinking about a Roman officer, a Roman soldier, 
what you don't see in the pictures, you know, you always see the guy with the little skirt, you know, and he's got the little round shield, and the big sword, and this big old helmet on his head. What you really don't understand is those guys didn't all only live in warm climate. You know, if you go to Italy, it's like going to California. If you go to Israel, it's like going to Los Angeles. If you go down to Egypt, it's a little warmer than Hawaii. But California can be cold in the wintertime, right? What do these guys do in the wintertime? Well, they wore coats, and they'd wear a leather coat that went all the way down to their feet. And if they, you know, it was kind of an army issue. And if you're in the snow in Syria, in the Middle East, it snows a lot. In places in Israel, it snows a lot for sure. In Italy, it snows. And they'd wear boots, and they would wear, you know, leather coats and stuff. But they had this big, fat, wide belt on. And if they had to do war, and the, the coat's going to get in the way if you got to run and stuff, they'd take the coat and wrap it up and tie it up inside of their belt so they can move freely. And it says here that you should have on the belt of truth. Now, as I think about truth, I, I think first is, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And you need to really understand that. In Acts, it says that there's no other name among men whereby we must be saved. The only person that ever purported to be God's son is Jesus. Everybody else talks about being a prophet or something. But he's the way. He's the truth. Everything centers on him. It's what he did for us on the cross. And when you want to do battle with the devil, you better not be out there standing yelling at him and calling him names if you don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's that that centers everything in our life. Just think about your own life. You didn't really have an explanation for why do bad things happen to good people. You didn't have an explanation for for the evil that's in the world. You didn't have an explanation for the struggles that you go through in your own life until you met Jesus, and all of a sudden the lights go on, and suddenly there's wisdom and an understanding that'll see you through. Jesus is the truth. But Jesus being the truth and me being in Jesus, I had to have myself wrapped up in truthfulness. That I had to become a person who is a person of my word, a person who you can count on me. If I tell you a story, it's a true story. That you can depend on that. But you also ought to be a person of my word. If I tell you I'm going to do something, I follow through. You know, somebody calls you up, asks you to do something, you say yes, but then you just don't show up at the end. You're not a truthful person. And what happens? Pretty soon you're tripping all over yourself. And, you're, and all your relationships go bogus on the, on the thing. You want to have yourself wrapped up with truth so you don't have stuff getting in the way. And that truth itself becomes a protection in the battle against evil. And the fact that you stand in, rooted in God's truth, but standing in truthfulness gives you protection against Satan and the tricks and the strategies and the things that he would pull. Does this make sense? I mean, for one thing, when temptation comes, if I'm a man of the truth then I find myself being accountable to the people around me and there's something that's transparent about me and, and it's going to be very hard for the devil to, to pull me down because the, I don't have those little dark caves where I'm hiding stuff from all the people around me. My life's a pretty much open book and everybody can read it and so I'm protected from Satan and temptation that comes my way. Wrap yourself up in truth and truthfulness. The second part here tells us that we should have on the body armor of God's righteousness, the end of verse 14. And for this part, I'd just like for you to turn over to Romans chapter 8. Uh, we're going to be in Ephesians again, so keep something there. Romans 8, verse 1. 
the body armor of God's righteousness. And again, this kind of is a two-way street for me. Verse 1 of Romans 8, it says, There is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. The power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you through Christ from the power of sin that leads to death. This is describing a righteousness that is not our own. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Why is there no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus? I've sinned a lot in my life. Why does God not condemn me? The word to condemn means he doesn't pass sentence on you. He doesn't pass judgment against you. Why is there no condemnation for Ralph? Because I'm in Christ Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for me. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for everyone. But not everyone made that something that works for them. Does that make sense? When I become a Christian, what I'm saying is, God, what Jesus did on that cross, the Son of God who did not sin, coming to die in the place of those who did sin, I want that to have value in my life. I want that forgiveness to extend to me. Now I'm wrapped up in that promise. I'm covered by the blood of Jesus, in a sense. And there is no condemnation. God is not mad at me. I live my life in a righteousness that's not my own. It's the righteousness of God. It goes on and says, For the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you through Christ from the power of sin that leads to death. And this leads to the backside of the righteousness that we have. Because of the power of what Jesus did on the cross, working through the Holy Spirit in my life, now I can live a life where I live above sin. And I don't have to live in sin. You need to know this. If you're a person who's struggling with some sort of sin in your life, if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, He forgives you and 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 forgives you. How could He tell Peter, forgive somebody 70 times 7 if He doesn't do the same to us? He'll continue to forgive you for that. But you need to see that sin that holds you down and depresses you, and you end up living a kind of a two-faced life. One day I'm saying I'm not going to do it, the next day I'm doing it. You need to understand that's an attack from the devil. And the Lord not only wants to forgive you for that, and so you're wrapped up in his righteousness, he wants to deliver you of that, so you are wrapped up in his righteousness in a very functional way, and you're living above those things that held you down before. Does that make sense to you? I mean, if you're God, would you do it any differently? So the Lord wants to have you covered with, Paul uses the idea of body armor or breastplate, of, of righteousness. First, understanding that you can say no to guilt. If you're a Christian, guilt is not yours. Guilt went to the cross with Jesus. I'm free. I'm righteous. I'm delivered. I'm accepted by God. But also... That the Holy Spirit, because of that now, has the ability to come inside of me and start cleaning house. And to cleanse me from these things. And I don't have to walk in them anymore. I don't have to live in them. I don't have to have besetting sins. I don't have to have habits that hold me down. Some things go way easier than others. Some things require a bunch of prayer. One of the things that I think we've been very deficit in in our church is learning to pray together. We're learning to do that. We're just learning. There's some people in this room that are struggling with habits and bondages that are killing them. And they want to be free. And I think from all that I read in the scripture, I got to say, 
They aren't just something that happens. They're evil in, in their origin. There's something satanic in their origin. Satan's got a hold in somebody's head and he's hurting them. When Jesus was asked, how do you deal with something like this? We couldn't make this thing go away. What happens? And he said, this one doesn't go away except for a lot of prayer and fasting. Fasting, that's a word we don't even think about in church. There comes a time that we, we have to learn about these things. If we're going to have power over the enemy, there has to be prolonged prayer for some issues. That's what he's saying. The thing of, of self-deprivation so I can get closer to the Lord. I grow in the power of the Lord and so that I have a righteousness that's more than forgiveness. It's a righteousness that pounds back and takes turf away from the devil and sets people free. You know, I never will understand this fact. I've, I've watched this ever since I was, I, I was old enough to call myself an adult, that I would share the Lord with people and people would accept the Lord and I'd see one person immediately delivered from some sin that was, was a horrendous thing in their life. And I'd see the guy sitting four chairs away from him pray the same day and accept the Lord and then have to struggle against Satan in the process. I don't know why that is. All I know is it is, and that we're called on here to wrap ourselves up in God's armor so we can stand firm against the devil, and that we're called, I think, to do this together, not just one-on-one, -on -one, but that we're called to hold each other up in prayer, hold each other up in accountability, fast and pray for one another, if need be, and we'll see the victory that the Lord provides. Am I making sense? Well, there's one more thing here. It talks about us having our feet shod. If you go to Ephesians, you'll read it with the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. And I want to take you to Romans chapter 5 and just end with this tonight. Romans 5, verse 1. The good news is that you can have peace with God because of what Jesus did for you on that cross. And that because of, of his love for you and his laying down his life for you, that you can come to a point where God's not mad at you and your friends. Romans 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. The King James Version, the old version of the Bible, uses a word, and write this in there. Some of these words are, are, are hard to understand, so this Bible uses simple ones, but they're worth, they're worth it because they nail it really good. Said, where it says, made right in God's sight by faith, it says, therefore, being justified by faith. Being justified by faith. Or you hear the word justification by faith. That's what Martin Luther preached. Justification by faith. We're not made right in God's sight by doing acts of penance. Because that's what the church believed in the Middle Ages. You know, Martin Luther went on this pilgrimage to Rome. And he's crawling up these steps in the Vatican and saying a Hail Mary and an Our Father on every step. His knees are bleeding. This is a pilgrimage that every priest made. And he says as he's going through this agony, I mean, you try to 200 and some steps that are made out of marble on your knees, and you're not going to have fun. And he says as he's going through this agony, he's getting a headache because this scripture keeps pounding in his head over and over and over and over again. It says, the just shall live by faith. 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 In other words, we're not justified by doing works to please God. We're justified by faith in the work that God did for us. And so it says, therefore, being justified by faith. Simply by putting our trust in the Lord. I have peace with God. 
through the Lord Jesus Christ. I have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and as you think about the thing says, have your shoes on the words of the gospel of peace. Again, there's a sort of a two-sided thing here. One is, I can come to the Lord and I know that I'm at peace with God. I know that in spite of, of Ralph, in spite of my Ralphness, which you would not want to live with, I'm at peace with God. I'm at peace with God. Because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of what Jesus did for us. I'm at peace with God. Now the other side of that is, I get to share the peace of God with people. That's the good news. The whole thing about the Lord isn't about church. It's about you can have peace with God. God can be on your side. Good things can happen. Now watch this. I'm going to read the next few verses and, and, and you see how important all of this is. And, and, and I want you to think of this in the context of spiritual warfare. Satan comes in the time of evil and he comes to do some wrong to you. And God takes the wrong and turns it around for right in your life because God's on your side. Therefore... Since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, therefore, since we've been justified by faith. Somebody said the word justified, right? It's justice is what it means. Justice, remember the, the, the scales, the balance scales of, of the lady justice? Things made even means justice has been done. I've been justified. Somebody paid for my crime. Things are balanced out. But someone said this, and it's a good way to remember it. The word justified could be made to say this. It's just as if I'd never sinned. Just as if I'd never sinned, I have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Being justified by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of highest privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look to sharing God's glory. I'm expecting good things to happen for the rest of my life because I know the Lord Jesus Christ and he's on my side. But watch the next verse, verse 3. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. When Satan raises his ugly head, we can smile. For we know that they are good for us. The ugly thing Satan means to harm us, God will turn around for good if we stand in the armor of God and fight back. They help us learn to endure. And endurance develops strength of character in us. And character strengthens our confident expectation of salvation. And this expectation, the word expectation, by the way, is hope. H-O-P-E. Our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not disappoint us, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. And then it goes on and says, when we were helpless, God sent Jesus to die for us. And if he did that, wouldn't he do everything else in the world for us? I've got peace with God. If you've accepted Jesus into your life, you have peace with God. He's on your side. And when the time of evil comes and Satan comes out and tries to, to take a bite out of you, whether it's by some catastrophe happening in your life, it's by some temptation, it's by somebody getting all mad at you or you getting all mad at somebody and you're all living in defeat now because of something the devil did, that you can understand you've got peace with the Lord and you can, out of that peace with the Lord, have a confident expectation, a hope that God's going to turn it around and work something good out of it. And that God will take the evil thing and he'll make it work to good to the point that you look back and go, wow, 
That thing just developed my character, made me stronger in the Lord, and I can have victory. And you can take that one to the bank. You can take that and, and, and beat the devil over the head with it. You know, go ahead and throw whatever you're throwing at me because all it's going to turn into is a little time, a little, another prayer meeting. I'm going to get closer to the Lord through this. God's going to do something. I'm going to watch God turn this ugly thing, like it says in Romans 8, and we know that God causes all things to work together, including Satan's wax at you. God will turn it around and work it together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God wins, and we win with him. Does that make sense? He'll take the evil thing that comes into your life if you'll stand there and stand firm. But remember, wrapped up in God's armor, truth, righteousness, God's righteousness, but God's righteousness working in you, and peace, God's peace, God's peace working through you, and you can stand up against the devil, you know, get the inkwells ready. Let's pray. In fact, pray this prayer out loud with me. I'll pray and you pray. God, we thank you for your love in our lives. We expect the best from you. We know we are at peace with you. And we are wrapped in your righteousness. And we expect to live in righteousness. Help us, Lord, to hang on to truth. To let righteousness be our body armor. And to relax in your peace. Give us strength to stand against the devil. Give us courage to overcome the devil. And give us victory that shames the devil. We put our trust in you. We rest in your love. And we're confident of Jesus. His death on the cross. His resurrection and his power in our lives. God, thank you for loving us, for keeping us, and for your victory. In Jesus' name. Now keep your eyes closed for a moment. We're just going to close this with a time that people could pray and invite the Lord to come into their life if they haven't done it. To take what he did on the cross and say, God, I want it to apply in my life. I just had everybody pray out loud. I'm going to ask you to pray just like they did, but not out loud, just silently. But if you'd like to pray and say, God, I want to be at peace with you. I want your righteousness to cover me. Uh, then I want you to just tell me we're going to pray together. We'll pray in about one minute from now. Like I said, I'll lead you. You pray along with me. But if you want to pray with me, now's the time I want you to have done something. I want you just simply to just have come out of yourself enough that you let somebody else know you're inviting the Lord in your life. And I, I get to be that person. If you want to pray and invite the Lord in, I want you to look at me right now. Everybody else has their eyes closed. Our signal is you're looking up. I see you, young man. Who else? And you, sir? Good. Who else? You want to invite the Lord into your life and his righteousness. And you? And you? Good. It's guy's night tonight, huh? Everybody's looking up some man. Guy back there? Good. Who else? You want to invite the Lord in you? Super. Finally a lady way in the back. And you, sir? Good. A whole bunch of us. This is good. Okay, join me in this prayer. 
God, I open the doors of my life to you as much as if I was opening the front door of my house and saying, come on in. And just saying that, come on in. I want you. I want your love. I'm asking for the forgiveness that Jesus won for us on that cross to be my forgiveness. For the peace that can happen in a person's life to be my peace. God, that you would help me to battle Satan and his attacks and the, the doubts and the misgivings that I have. God, that you would give me your righteousness. First, that you'd forgive me of everything I've done and do wrong. But then, Lord, that you'd lift me above it so I'm not doing it anymore. And that I can find what it means to live a life of victory, a life of peace, a life of success. God, I want my life to count for something. And I know that you do more than I do. And so, Lord, I I give you, it's again, I'm just opening up the door of my house, saying, come on in. I give you free access to everything here. Lord, you want to clean junk out of the closets? Clean junk out of the closets. You want to paint the house and make me new inside and out? Do that. Lord, I want whatever you have for me. I want your victory. I want your strength. I want to be able to stand in this evil day that we live. I want to have success. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You've been listening to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel, Kaneohe. 